0: Yes? Okay. Okay. Well, if you got a bullet and you saw what the title is, time's up. Excuse me. Now, I've been in ministry for 40 years, and I've seen a lot of things. In fact, when I was in ministry 40 years ago, I saw things like I don't see anymore. I saw things like people coming to someone's house just for the sake of coming to praising God to hear uh, a prayer, to pray over someone. Forty people would come and gather in my living room or someone else's living room. I saw as the years went on, it started to wane. It got smaller and smaller. till finally, Jesus became something in addition to what I have. And that's a bad thing. And as I was preparing the sermon, the Lord said to me, You know, Tom, time's up. Time's up. It's time to get serious because, first of all, time's up for our country. You can see that. I mean, two reprobates going to be one of our president. <laughs> I, 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 I got to vote, but what do I do? And same, I, I know you're feeling the same thing. <clears throat> but that's then. Jesus sits on the throne, but what about you? Have you ever thought about time being up? We think of that in a lot of areas other than our own lives. And I've mentioned this probably before when I've been up here. <clears throat> in the time, June, you'll find probably today about 30 people, time was up for them in the obits. Some were expecting it, some weren't. Well, I have to ask you now, are you expecting time to be up for you? It can happen anytime. But we go along our lives thinking, well, everything is in order. But is it really in order? Are you following Christ? With all of your heart. All your mind. All your soul. Are you really doing that? <clears throat> or do you give him a little time on Sunday? Maybe you come to a meeting on during the week. Maybe even have prayer time. But do you think about him during the rest of the day? Do you think about what he's done for you? How he had come into your life and saved you? Made you into something that you never were or never could be? And yet. All the day long, we go about our business like business. This world isn't a business. This world is to bring forth the kingdom of God. So that's the introduction. Time is up. Skip, can you put up the first scripture, please? And the question is, how much time do you really have left? I've asked people that. Some people want to know. Some people don't want to know. Uh, It's kind of a scary thing. How much time do you have left? Because some people here, well, we probably have 250 or so or more people. might be one or two people here. They only have tomorrow. You may be one of them. I'm not trying to scare you. It's the truth. It's a simple truth. How much time do you have left? In Luke twelve twenty and 21, it says, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. <clears throat> Being here, we all have a lot of things. In fact, they take up half of our time worrying about them and fixing them and preparing to get more things and what do you do when you get more things by the way you have to move the old things out to move into new things and you're giving things away but you're getting new things but where does jesus fit into that see jesus is speaking about a man here that had been bountifully blessed by god but in the process did he worship god did he thank god all he could think of is how can i get another million what's a millionaire want how we can get another million that's how this guy was how am I going to do, and what am I going to do with all the bountiful things that I have? Instead of giving glory to God, instead of going out and saying to the poor, well, this could really benefit a lot of people. No, he didn't do that. And he's coming to the point, he says, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Do you think if he ever said that, how would you feel if God spoke into your heart and says, this very night, this night, tonight. night? your life will be demanded of you. See, there's only a very few people in the world, in our country anyway, that come to that conclusion, those that are going to be executed because of some major crime. But there are others that this very night, their life will be demanded. How would you respond to that? Would you start reflecting on what you've done? Would you start thinking that, oh, my goodness, should I be changing what I'm going to do? I don't know what to do. I'm perplexed, but we should be living with the fact that our life could be demanded at any time. We stand on the corner on Tuesdays, well, we did until the end of September. Remember when all those policemen were shot in the different uh, counties and cities in, in the uh, country? And I said to Frank, and he thought the same thing, and others said the same thing to me. He says, You know what? We could be shot right off these corners. <clears throat> I said that to my wife. She says, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. But it's the truth. See, we don't really want to know if our time is up. And people around us don't want to know that either. But unless we have a relationship with God, this is serious business. Our time could be up any time. Any time. The worst case scenarios, someone could blow this whole building up and we're all gone like a blast. Are you ready? Have you been playing true to God? Or have you just been one of those things that's part of your daily routine? And he became part of your daily routine as being one of your things. That's what God doesn't want to happen. But, you know, in the last 40 years, our country has really gone to that base area of Christianity is just another thing. Even being born again. Now I pray that most of you here are born again. If you're not born again, this message is more serious than to others. Because without being born again, you have no hope. Jesus said in John 14.6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. So remember that. You have to come through Jesus Christ. But dealing with everyone else here, are you prepared for this very night your life could be demanded of you and if not what have you been doing the good news maybe tonight your life won't be demanded of you but you have time now you have time to prepare to prepare you have time to get into the word to see what am i supposed to be doing what am i supposed to be doing see i had a church for 15 years that went nowhere that's why after 15 years, my son, Pat, was a music minister. And it came to the point, I preach every week, had a Bible study every Tuesday, had other programs we try to do, they never flew. I love them, they love me. But what about the kingdom of God? We can always be satisfied with our family. And that's great news. But what about the kingdom of God? And God kept saying, what about me, Tom? And Marsha and I finally came to the conclusion well, maybe we ought to shut the doors here. And that was a little more than four years ago. And that's how I wound up here. I always talk to Frank, I said, Why don't you pick me off the scrap heap? Well, hey, what do you do with a guy my age? You pick him off the scrap heap, right? <laughs> so the first thing here, <clears throat> how much time do you have left? Second thing, Skip, can you put up First Peter? Is it just possible, just possible, that you're running out of time? A guy I used to work with, he, he counted life as how many beats in your heart, and after there were so many beats were up, you were up. Well, of course, he didn't know what he was talking about, but the truth of it is, was he prepared? He wasn't, of course. <clears throat> and is it possible that you, me, any of us here are running out of time, talks about it in 1 Peter four seventeen, For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now we get back to those that aren't saved. What kind of time do you have? And what's going to happen to you? Again, the outcome will be for those who do not obey the gospel of God. I know you're in church. Some of you may feel very religious. Uh, Believe me, religion has nothing to do with it. There are a lot of religious people that are going to hell. Let's face it. Religion, actually, you're going to hate this, comes out of the pits of hell. Here's what religion does. You go to one church, another church, I don't care whether it's Catholic, Protestant, Pentecostal, whatever the case may be, there's always Jesus and. Whatever that and they want to add on to it. The church laws, the doctrines, all all the things that go along with that which have absolutely no value but you have to obey it there's only one thing you have to obey and that's the word of god you know christianity is very simple it's not rocket science if you're obedient to the word of god things are well with you and if you're not things are not well and actuality if you're not well what are you (laughs) exactly you're sick You're walking around sick and only the sick people that have physical ailments know they're sick. It's like insane people. Do you know there's a whole mess of people that you walk by side by side every day that are insane? Now, how can that be? Well, insanity is is decided by society. If you are uh, completely against the things that society believes in, society says you're insane. But God says, if you reject my son, Jesus, you reject eternal life, you reject forgiveness of sins, you see where I'm going. Isn't that insanity? So you're walking around with a world full of insane people. Well, this is what this is. The outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God, they're insane. It's an insanity to do that. But the simple fact is all that you could ever want or hope to have is available through Jesus Christ. And the refusal to do that Or the refusal to obey it is plain, flat-out insanity. The difference between those who do that and those that are in the insane asylum are decided by the society that we live in. Simple as that. But they're all insane without Christ. It's madness to go about this world without Christ. And it comes back to the same question that we're dealing with here. Is it possible, is it just possible, you, me, all of us are running out of time. <clears throat> I know anyone here of any age whatsoever knows this world isn't what it used to be. This country isn't what it used to be. Uh, J- JJ and I were talking about the 50s. There were great years. Uh, cradle to grave jobs. Once you started someplace, you could fe- find out you could take care of your family through all the years you worked then retired with a a nice pension. What's a pension today? Those things are disappearing like lemurs going off the side of a cliff. All the things that were aren't. And it gets deeper and worse. And the bottom line is, how much time do we really have left? When is it all coming? Frank's been preaching about this ever since I've been here. Time's up. Time is actually up. Do we recognize it? If you recognize it, then you know what to do with it. Spending my time for the kingdom of God. Finding out those who are so desperate to need Christ to speak to them. Now, we get to the same thing. Frank said it over and over again. That's not my job. It's our job. That's what we're all in this together for. To speak to the lost. And it's getting harder and harder and harder to do that. Now, I told you 40 years ago when I was in ministry, people were excited to come to Christ. I saw salvations, even my own, jumping up, clicking my heels. Hallelujah! You know, my wife thought I was completely crazy until she saw the truth of what was happening. This was a wonderful thing that happened to me. And you know what, before that, you know what I thought I was? A good guy. Yeah. Yeah, because I wasn't as bad as the drunk that was down the street. But I was every bit as bad. The sin that I had in my heart, the the darkness that was in me. I was the kind of guy that could smile at you and put my arm around you and say, gee, I'm so glad to see you. And the next minute, I could have cared if you fell off the face of the earth. It meant nothing, nothing to me. God changed that. Only his son, through the spirit that's in me, I have ever changed that because I thought I was fooling a lot of people. I probably did. People really thought I liked them. The only thing I liked was what I could get out of them. It had no meaning to me. I was so selfish, so self-centered. But see, God had brought me the attention of what he did for me. What's he done for you today? Are you running out of time to find out? Come on. Time's up. Let's get with it. I know what I'm talking about isn't sometimes easy. But I don't care. It's the truth. And I'm using the word of God to present it. So if you can't swallow it, well, get a life. <laughs> Matthew 25:24. Matthew 25:24 is talking about <clears throat> What have you done with the time? you were allotted. Now, we really get to scary things here. What have you done with the time that you were allotted on this earth? Then the man who had received the one talent, now remember the talents, one had received five, he did well and received five more. And the one that received two did well and, re- and received two more. Then it came to the one that received one. That's probably most of us. Most of us here aren't Billy Grahams. And we're not... Uh, Charles Spurgeon and all the great preachers of the past were people that God uses on a daily basis for his kingdom. And I don't think that doesn't matter because God. I always look at a God having a five-zillion-piece puzzle and you being the one piece that's missing and that isn't finished until you're in that puzzle. That's how important each one of you are. you finish the work God has started, each one. So I don't think just because you're not a Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon, or Jonathan Edwards, or any of the great preachers of the past that you don't count. We, Most of us received one talent. Now we get back to the guy that did receive the one, and what did he do with it? Well, he put it into the ground so it would be hidden. Now let's get to the point of what that actually means. The one talent is salvation, as far as I can see, and what have you done with that salvation? What benefit have you got for the kingdom of God with that salvation God so freely gave you because of his love that went to the cross? What have you done with that? Well, this man hit it in the ground. Why did he do that? Well, he realized that he wasn't the kind of guy that the guy received five talents was, and it wasn't even the kind of guy that the guy that received two talents. And you know what? I'm not even going to try. After all, who's looking? Who's watching me? Little does he know. God has counted every footstep. And the bottom line of it is, he came to the point, telling his master he hid it in the ground. Do you uh, know what the rest of that scripture had to say about that man? Wicked, wicked man. Called him a wicked man. If I were capable of giving each of you the most precious gift that I could think of you could use, and I gave it to you excited about what I'm giving you because I know full well this would be the best thing you ever had, you, on the other hand, took that gift, opened up your closet door, and flung it into the closet. Now I come over to your house, hoping that somehow or another it was some kind of remark, Maybe some kind of presence of the gift that I gave you would be shown. Nowhere to be seen. I went to get my coat, opened the closet door when I was leaving, and what do I see? How do you think I would feel? Now, that's only a gift that a man can give another man. How do you think God feels when he gives a gift of salvation and people throw it into the closet? Not being able to or wanting or desiring to use it. That's a terrible, terrible thing. Well, what happened to the same thing with this man? That's exactly what he did. He took the gift that God gave him, flung it into a closet, flung it into a hole, really. That particular scripture has a whole uh, meaning that a sermon could be preached on it, but we're going to move along with that. But the whole thing came about. What have you done with the time God has allotted you? Now, I'm asking you the question. You're getting off easy. Because the next one that asks that question is going to be you standing in front of God, in front of Jesus. And he's going to ask you the same question. It's a little scary. I think of these things. Think of the rotten things I've said over years. Even some of the things now that come out of my mouth that aren't very nice. And God's going to hold me accountable to those words. Better clean up my act. I've got time right now. I've got time. Do you have time? Is your time up? Do you have time today to start cleaning up your act? Start, start using what God has given you. That gift that was so gloriously given can be used and expanded to such a magnificent area. One man can change the world. Do you know the history of Billy Graham? Some hick from the south. I felt the call of God to open up a tent and start so many, many, many years ago. And who knows how many millions have come to Christ because of one man desire to preach the word of God to those that were lost. You can go outside and watch. I know when I had my own church, <clears throat> I could stand there at the pulpit and it was close to the, uh, the road. And I could see people walking up and down with their Sunday papers and with their dogs and I could see all of them. We'd always kid they probably went to an earlier service, but we were kidding about that. We knew darn well they didn't go anywhere. Except they're on their way to hell. It's unfortunate that sometimes we even fit into that category. I've only got time for God for this special time here today. And maybe possibly sometime during the week. When it says to pray in all things at all times, it is a meaning that I, you know, I used to think when I was in a different church that I would have to say the Our Father 24 hours a day. That's what it meant about praying. No, it wasn't that at all. It was about knowing that God is present in my life and I'm communing with him. Read in Genesis where Abraham, <clears throat> excuse me, Adam, walked with God in the cool of the day. He wants you and me to do the same thing. There's nothing different. He wants to walk with you in the cool of the day. And what's that all about? Well, Tom, how's it going today? Well, God, as long as you're with me, things are going pretty good. And that's the, that's the conversation. It's a simple con- prayer. It's just a conversation. Just speaking to God and Him speaking back to you. And you say, well, I don't hear God. Well, then you're not reading your scripture. He's the Word. The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. He's the Word. So if you don't hear an audible voice, which most of us haven't, if you've lived long enough, maybe once or twice in your life, but you hear the written Word that's written down by the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to speak to me. So time's up, folks. Time to get really, really serious because you don't know where you're going from here. Romans fourteen twelve. if you would. Are you accountable for the time you have on earth? So then each of you will be given an account of himself to God. <coughs> Many of you are in a position where you're only accountable to yourself. Well, that's a terrible thing. There should always be someone you should be accountable to. And eventually, you're going to be accountable to who? To God. And then with the accounting coming in order, <clears throat> and I think of a businessman rolling up the uh, long list of things that need to be done in order to purchase something. And there's an accounting going on of all the things that were uh, sold, bought, and included into the bill. And then the accounting would take place of what you owed or what you didn't know now do we have a debt ah careful with that we don't have a debt other than the debt of love we always have that debt and what does that get debt of love do for us it doesn't allow another brother or sister go to hell without telling them about jesus christ so time's up folks You have that. You have you may feel I don't even have enough scripture to talk to someone. Forget it. You have a testimony. You have a testimony of what you were and what I am and what Jesus did for you in between. That's the most powerful thing you can give anyone. And I'm not saying you shouldn't know the scriptures. It's always nice to add those scriptures onto it. But boy, if you don't have one, you have the testimony. So the survey for the most part, that's what people talk about. The testimony. Here is what I was and here is what I am because of Jesus Christ. And how did that happen? By the gift of God. Time's up. You got to start doing this because you're going to be asked the question. What have you done with the time I've given you? What have you been using it for? What are you going to say? Think about that. I know I can hear the world. I can hear the machines going right now. What am I going to say? How would I respond to God when He asked me that question? And He will. There is a judgment, even though you wouldn't be lost. And I've often pictured myself. I've got a, a frame of mind of how I am standing before Jesus, as He's talking about. Well, you said this about that guy. You know, he's in kingdom of God. He's in a kingdom now. He's behind you. Do you remember you said that about him? And I get smaller. And smaller and smaller. So finally, huge Jesus, is standing there. And this little tiny me is standing there with my head bowed, reminding me of the things. And then after it's all said and done, he puts his arm around me and says, welcome into the kingdom. But I'm going to have to face that. And so are you. What have you done with the time that you are allotted? Well, we get down to the bottom of this and this is the challenge, I guess you would call it that. Frank likes to call it that. <clears throat> Hebrews. <clears throat> well, there's another part here. And that's in Romans 14:12. I did that. So we're going to go to Hebrews. And that's Hebrews 4:13. And this is the challenge. The challenge is who are you accountable to who like Alice I'm wondering who are you who are you accountable to nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight did you know that nothing everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account I want to make it clear there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But you're going to have to explain what you did. There's an explanation here. Read it again. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know who you're accountable to on this earth. We should be accountable to each other. That's always a a fail safe of the direction we're going. That's why I had to close the church I was in. I wasn't accountable to anyone. And finally God shook me up and says, hey, you're not doing anything here. Get out of town. And that's how I wound up here. I got into Delmar. I got out of Albany. So am I accountable now? I'm accountable. Well, I'm accountable to a lot of people. The Board of Elders I'm accountable to. I'm accountable to you. You can come up to me and say, Tom, you know what? I heard your sermon, but there was something that quite wasn't right in there. And I have to respond to that. I have to be accountable and explain why or why not I said that and where I got it from. Now, I pray to God, I'm only using Scripture, but you have that right. I'm accountable to you. Why? Because I'm just part of the body of Christ. I've often told people when I was preaching on a regular basis, there's only one thing that has made me up here and you down there because you're the eyes, the legs, the arms, and I'm the big mouth. So that gives me the right to be up here because I got the mouth. That's it. I'm the mouth part of the body. Well, I can't see. What does the mouth do except just ramble on and on and on and on? It's probably some of you are saying, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. When's he ever going to stop? Not until you're accountable. Who are you accountable to? You should be accountable to each other. You should be accountable in your marriage, in your church, in your fellowships, everywhere. You're not your own. Never were. See, that's the problem. The world has got us to believe we are out there on our own, and we can do darn well as we please. And God is going to come to the day and say, you know, you did this. It didn't work out very well for you. And for those that aren't saved, it's not working out at all. This is a terrible time in this country to be unsaved. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Where are you going to hide? Who are you going to go to? All these questions, unanswerable. You don't know the answer. The answer is, well, I'm never going to die. I thought that when I was eight. I got over that when I got to be 70 something. What am I going to do? Well, you're out there doing the same thing, thinking that, well, today isn't my day. <laughs> Bottom line is time's up. It's time to get serious with God. This might be my last day to have a chance at it. That's fine, as long as you use it properly. So with all of these things, and, you know, the only reason I'm telling you this is because I love each one of you. See, those days of when I didn't care for you are long gone. Christ took care of that. He gave me a love where I I suffer when you suffer. I laugh when you laugh. All these things that you do are part of me. To think of anyone that would go the opposite way and didn't use this one word, this obedience to God, as their daily bread, their daily wine, their daily communion, you're in trouble. Time is up. Amen.